field. And it's called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in. Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio. Another week, another great week for the Boston Red Sox. This week is brought to you by Loot Crate. The onslaught of big summer blockbusters make May the perfect time to celebrate some of the pop culture's unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbeatable characters and objects. Uh, We've got something you can carry, something for your kitchen and cool figure to go with our monthly tea and pin featuring two Marvel Thames. Plus, Warcraft, Dragon Ball Z, No One Can Create should have all this power. Uh, check out LootCrate.com backslash CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. Uh, big show today. Uh, we're going to be joined by Chad Finn uh, of the Boston Globe and Boston.com in just a sec. But full gang this week. How's it going, guys? Awesome, as always. Yeah, good to be back. I've, I feel like I haven't done anything since I've only done one show in the last three weeks, but I am ready. Jess, I'm so yeah, excited it- for you. Like. <laughs> you're engaged now, and now you're back with the whole group. Like, welcome yeah, back. Don't flatter me. Thank you. Though. Yeah, big shout out to Jess being engaged again. Uh, Jess, you must feel completely normal, right? Uh, nothing's changed. No, nothing's changed at all. <laughs> it will when you walk down the aisle. Um, and on that note, let's bring in Chad Finn uh, of the Boston Globe. Uh, thanks, Chad, for joining us. What's going on? How about you guys doing? Congratulations, Jess. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, just happened a week ago, so uh, I'm pretty fresh. So. New feelings for uh, Jess right now. Um, so, Chad, a lot going on with this Red Sox team, but I think the biggest story right now is the um, <laughs> oh, I think is the is the offense for sure. So, kind of, I want to get with you here is um, this offensive production can can they really sustain this? And if not, like how far can, is it going to drop? Yeah, that's the uh, that's one of the two uh, crucial questions of this team that uh, will be answered over the summer, right? Uh, whether the offense can sustain this and whether the starting pitching can be a little bit better than it has been for the most part. Um, with the offense, I, I, I do think some regression is going to happen. Logically, uh, Jackie Bradley isn't going to break DiMaggio's record. Uh, uh, probably uh, will not uh, hit to the production level he's had this year. You look at his career path, he's the guy who's always had real uh, varied ups and downs. So the peaks have been high and the valleys have been low. And, um, we need to see what happens with him when he hits a slump. What, uh, how low does that get? Because that's going to be, to me, the the real telltale sign on on who he is as a major league player. If this is a guy who hits 280 with 15 to 20 home runs, 20 home runs a year, and 10, 15 stolen bases, he's a guy whose defense is going to make him a a bottom of the ballot MVP candidate. That's uh, that's how valuable that player would be. But we need to see what happens when he slumps because his slumps have been so bad in the past. Last August he was fantastic. September he struggled. Um, this year he's been great from the get-go. We need to s- sort of see what happens when he hits a few speed bumps. But I think you have to feel really good about where he is and what he's going to be ultimately. The other guys in the lineup, too, Ortiz has been incredible, but he's 40 years old. 
this is May. It's a long season. There's a long way to go. And, and the number one hope with him is not that he stays productive, but that he stays healthy. It's sort of the same thing with Pedroia and Hanley Ramirez, where uh, you hope, uh, because of their recent injury histories, that uh, this is a year where they're more durable than usual, because both of them have been very good, too. Um, there are some guys who seem to be overperforming a little bit. Travis Shaw is a little bit of a slump right now. He's still establishing what he is for the long term as a major leaguer. It's very encouraging, but he needs uh, he needs to to prove that he can do that over the full season. And uh, to me, he's a Brian Daubach type who's going to hit two sixty, two seventy, and twenty home runs. So when the downturn comes for him, uh, that that could have some effect on their their overall offensive production as well. But uh, top to bottom, this is a very good team for the most part. Uh, Betts will probably be a little bit better. He's had a great run here the last couple of days. He's he's a guy to me who's going to be on MVP ballots at the end of the year. Bogarts has been terrific again. So they're going to score a lot of runs. It's just not uh, to the degree that they've been putting up now where they're putting, it seems like they put up eight, nine, ten runs uh, every other day. No, absolutely. I can't even argue with you there. Um, so now kind of switching gears to John Farrell, Chad. Do you think mm-hmm. he's officially off the hot seat no matter what this season holds, or is he still on the hot seat even though the team is 10 games above 500? Like, what's going on with John Farrell right now? Yeah, I, I, I think he is uh, free and clear, at least for the time being. I mean, uh, if something happens where this ends up being a 500 team again, that would be a heck of a collapse from where they are right now, um, and it would feel a lot like the last two seasons. Uh, and then you'd have significant questions about who he is as a manager. But the fact is, they're playing really well. Uh, they look like a team that uh, is unified, that's having a lot of fun. Uh, that tends to run parallel when you're scoring a lot of runs and winning a lot of games. You look like a uh, a close-knit group. But you get a sense, too, that it's been that way from the beginning this year of this team. And uh, he deserves credit for that. And it, it it's always been funny to me. I know he has some... Um, some issues as a tactician, I mean, even in the World Series, when they won it in 2013, he ended up having a pitcher bat who hadn't had a professional at bat, Brandon Workman. Uh, some things, some strategic things sometimes elude him, but uh, he's a guy who's uh, got a long history in baseball in various roles, universally regarded as very smart. He has won a World Series, so he's got some things in his favor, and uh, it's always kind of amused me that people think Tori Lavulo would be some big strategic upgrade. He's he was terrific last year when Farrell was out sick, but uh, he's also sitting next to Farrell on the bench every day and giving him pretty significant advice on what they should do. So it's not like those two guys are separate people or, or, or separate uh, uh, take separate approaches to the job. They're good friends. That they're, they're tight, and uh, Farrell really values Lavello's uh, um, input. And the fact is, sometimes even his input hasn't worked out well. So. Uh, for the time being, I think John Farrell has, uh, has uh, uh, salvaged his job here, and it should be that case. The team's playing really well in his watch. And especially at this point, because this was kind of the, the date and time period where everyone was mm-hmm. saying he should be gone if they're not well, doing well, and hey, here they are, like the fourth best team in the majors, so, or right. third, or you know, something like that. So, yeah, I agree. I think he's safe. Uh, let's Let's move to couple of concerns because we've been talking about all the great stuff which is obviously fantastic um but with Carson Smith going back in the DL and Eduardo Rodriguez you know minor knee injury now it's been three months later looks like he's on the upswing again but do are you worried about one of them or either of them both of them how do you think it's going to affect the team and kind of where does 
where does it go for both of them at this point? To me, the uh, well, the Smith thing is probably more troubling um, because even when he was healthy, they couldn't pitch him uh, a couple of days after he he uh, took the, would take the mound. So he's never really been right this year. Um, and when you hear uh, you're getting your elbow checked out, you're getting your forearm looked at, you immediately think uh Tommy John or something like that is coming down the road. Of course you want to avoid that at all costs. Uh we see what Gary Richards doing with the Angels trying to trying to dodge that and pitch through it and sometimes that does work out. It worked out with Tanaka for the Yankees. Smith's not at that point yet, but it does make you worry when he uh he can't go uh on those uh every few days and it takes him a long time to get healthy and just looking at the guy too. Uh, he's got a really odd delivery. Uh, he throws that wicked slider, which puts a lot of strain on his arm. He throws hard, uh, and he's someone you look at and say, "Geez, I don't know how long, how sustainable that's going to be over the long haul." The way that uh, that he delivers the baseball. So, um, hopefully, this is something that he can overcome, and it doesn't end up being something where he has to go under the knife. But right now, you have to be kind of worried about that because you just just can't get right uh, with Rodriguez. Uh, I want them to be cautious with him. I know this people starting to say, well, is he uh, is he being kind of uh, tentative about this, or, or uh, is is he the one that's sort of holding himself back? But the fact is, you mess around with your legs when you're a pitcher, and eventually that ends up uh, ends up being something that affects your arm. I, going back, you know, 40 years now, Mark Fidrich, the reason that he got hurt after his great rookie season was he had a leg injury. Uh, tried to pitch through it with his legs messed up, ended up changing his delivery and hurt his arm. Uh, you've got to have your legs right to be an effective pitcher. So if Rodriguez doesn't feel right, even though they need him, even though he's a real high-end guy who could be a top-of-the-rotation starter, you've got to be patient and make sure he's 100% before he comes back. It sounds like it's taking a turn for the better. He's found a brace that feels comfortable on that knee, but uh, be cautious because he's so valuable. Just actually a, a follow up on on uh, Rodriguez. I mean, you you kind of covered the last part, but do, I know a lot of people are really high on him. And injuries aside, just based on last year, do you think he has potential to be as good as everyone thinks he's going to be? I think he could be a number two. Yeah, you look at him and say, all right, he doesn't throw ninety eight miles an hour like uh, a lot of uh, a lot of aces do, where they can style it up and and throw smoke when they have to, but. Uh, he strikes me as so he's got a real good breaking ball. He seems to be able to hit his spots. He's very polished, uh, almost a graceful pitcher, throws hard enough. And I like having him uh, in the same rotation with David Price. You see, Price is a guy who gets raved about for helping young pitchers wherever he's been, whether it was with Tampa with Matt Moore and Alex Cobb and guys like that in Detroit. Or, you know, last year Marcus Stroman swears by him for the brief time he's with the Blue Jays. Red Sox were really looking forward to Rodriguez working with Price, and uh, uh, Price was looking forward to working with Rodriguez. So it seems like he could learn a lot from the guy fronting that rotation, and he may be the guy right behind him in the rotation if he uh, if he lives up to, to, to the projection the Red Sox have for him. All right, fair enough. Can't wait to see see what happens with him. So let's move here to uh, to the outfield. Um, now with this sudden change with Blake Swihart playing the last three games, in the outfield this weekend, uh, right. in left field, does this signal the end of Rusne Castillo? Because what is this guy supposed to do if now a catcher is playing in front of him in left field? Well, they've made the right decision there. I mean, just look at the two guys. Castillo's 28 years old. 
Uh, he turns 29, I think, in July. They've been talking about him being hot in Pawtucket lately, and he has been. He had a string of a couple pretty good games in a row. The last time I looked, it was uh, maybe Saturday afternoon, Friday, when the last time I wrote about the Red Sox, his OPS was 630. And that's in AAA as a guy who's almost 29 years old. Now you look at Swihart, uh, second half last year for the Red Sox, he hit over 300. His OPS was over 800, and that's as a 24-year-old. Uh, as also someone who is taking on the responsibility of being a catcher at the major league level, which is an entirely different workload than the one that he has as an outfielder. So uh, you to look at those two guys, 24 years old, has already hit 300 and a half in the major leagues uh, compared to a guy with a 630 OPS at 28 in, in AAA. And it's really no question, even when you factor in that they're looking for a left-handed bat, which is why you know, it's a switch hitter, but... Uh, he is uh, a, a guy who's predominantly from the left side, whereas Castillo's a right-handed hitter and sort of has some redundant skills with Chris Young, who's the um, who's the uh, right-handed uh, platoon guy, I guess you'd call him, out there in left field. Certainly someone they want to have in there against left-handed pitchers whenever the opportunity comes up. So, uh, yeah, I'd still like to see what Swihart can be as a catcher. Clearly the pitchers like throwing a Vasquez a heck of a lot better, and he's terrific defensively, even though... Uh, he's really struggling himself offensively. But uh, if you're going to put a, a guy in the lineup right now and call somebody up from Pawtucket, uh, the, there's really, you know, really no choice between Swihart and Castillo. Swihart should be the easy choice just based on the youth and the success he's already had. Again, we are talking to Chad Finn of Boston.com and, of course, the Boston Globe. Um, Chad, with Swihart, um, them moving that, uh, him to left field, does that signal you thinking they're not looking to deal him and they're looking to build value for them to have him on this roster rather than deal him later on? Um, I think they think really highly of him, that, but, but highly of him, but that won't preclude Dave Dombrowski from trading him. You look at Dombrowski's history, uh, he, he's been willing to deal prospects, even high-end prospects, even a lot of high-end prospects, to get the guy he likes. And if a starting pitcher becomes available... Presuming that the Red Sox need one uh, as we get into July here or near the trading deadline, he'll give up a couple of key guys. And, and some guys who uh, you see their names and say, geez, I wish he didn't trade him. I guess you got to pay a high price, but that feels like a high price. It's sort of like how it went with Kimbrell uh, when they made the Kimbrell trade and uh, you saw four prospects, you know, Javi Guerra, uh, Margot, who's a top 20 prospect in baseball, and a guy who's fairly close to the major leagues when they dealt him. And you said, Dad, you know, that's, uh, that's a lot that they gave up. Dombrowski has that history, and you look at all these talented prospects Ben Sherrington left behind for him. If there's the top of the rotation guy available and they feel like they need to go out and get that guy, uh, they will give them up, and it's going to hurt. So, um, Swihart's a guy they really like. They love his athleticism. They think he's gonna his bat's gonna play at any position he ends up at, whether it's catcher, left field, third base, whatever it happens to be. But uh, if some team has a tremendous young pitcher, uh, affordable, uh, accomplished, all those things available, and, and they want Swihart as part of a package, I don't think Dombrowski would hesitate to give him up. Yeah, and I think that, um, well, first of all, you did my next segment segue perfectly for me, Chad, <laughs> uh, because I wanted to go down the road of the sense of, look, this team needs pitching, and mm-hmm. Claypaw Coles is not all right, and I don't think any of us ever believe he's going to get better than what he is. We know what Claypaw Coles is. Um, really, the, where I want to go is just 
how long can he stay? How long can they stay with Clay Buckles? Because I think Jess right now is the only proponent of Clay Buckles in the entire city of Boston. <laughs> and me, don't forget about me. You're on the fence, Lauren. Yeah, you know, I don't. Uh, he gets a lot of hate, and uh, I understand it because he's an enigma and he's really frustrating. But uh, he's also a guy who's had periodic stretches of dominance. Who they they haven't come recently for sure. I mean, he pitched pretty well last year before he got hurt, which. I guess you could say is the story of his career in 2013. He was 12 and one and uh, huge in them getting off to a good start and what ended up being a World Series winning season. He had his 17 win uh, uh, 2010, where he finished second in the RA race to get to uh, King Felix. You know he's had his moments, but he drives you crazy because you feel like he's constantly underachieving, or when he's pitching well, the injury is coming right around the corner. Now. He's just been terrible this year, which makes it all all the worse. But I look at Buckles and I say, you know what? If you get traded to the Cardinals, he'd probably go eighteen and six with a two forty ERA next year. Or the Pirates, he's just uh, the talent's there, and he for whatever reason, whether he needs to change the scenery or um, because uh, when things start to go wrong, they all snowball. He doesn't handle adversity well. Whatever it happens to be. Uh, he doesn't fulfill his ability here, at least not on a consistent basis. So I understand why he drives people nuts. You know, I I I do like him better than I like Joe Kelly. Uh, it's hard to say after Kelly pitched the way he did coming off the DL the other day, but uh, he drives me crazy. He's my personal Clay Buckles. Joe Kelly is. Uh, so I will I will stick up for Buckles ahead of Kelly. But uh, if Kelly keeps throwing like he did coming off the DL with the what six and two thirds no hit innings. Uh, I guess I won't have that argument anymore. Well, Chad, I appreciate you uh, backing him up slightly because I've been wearing <laughs> out every, every week. Every week I've been wearing out how I keep having faith in him year after year, and I never really know why, but something about him makes me want to perform. And when, like, the numbers that you oh. gave there, the 17 and 7, 12 and 1, that's what I keep going back to, but nobody cares. So I appreciate you at least giving him a chance because I know it's not easy. To Again, the other option is Joe Kelly. So I prefer Buckholz, too. I, I do. I mean, yeah, yesterday was great, but Kelly's maddening, so I don't know. But I, I think <laughs> you know the thing is too. I mean, if you he, if you look at him as a fifth starter now, and you say get him out of there, I don't care what you do. I'm sick of looking at his face. Get him out. You know, you got Henry Owens. You've got uh, Sean O'Sullivan or whoever it happens to be, Scott O'Sullivan, whatever his name is. Uh, <laughs> it's some replacement level guys coming up, and at least with Barkos, there's a possibility of him. Uh, having some success because he has had success at periodic points in his career. It just hasn't happened this year yet. It feels like he makes that, uh, he walks two guys, he gives up a three on Homer and ruins uh, anything good that he has going. That seems to be the pattern now. But uh, he's more accomplished probably than anybody that could plug in there to that spot. If you just can convince yourself he's the fifth starter and nothing better than that. I mean, I can argue with you there to a point like I'm really on. Jess and I are really on this Buckles bandwagon, but, you know, speaking of success and everything, kind of switching complete gears to Jackie Bradley Jr., is he really this good, or is this something that we can just wait to fizzle out? Like, what's going on with him? Yeah, I mean, we need to see what the slump is. You know, uh, the peaks and valleys last year with him were crazy. Um, I mean, he's he really... the. It's a longer story with Bradley. He was rushed in the major leagues. He made the team out of camp, uh, what year was that, 2013, and he hadn't had it in a bat in AAA yet. And, and they sort of looked at it like, uh, 
you know, this guy's a tremendous defensive outfielder. He's hitting home runs here off Cliff Lee in spring training. Let's keep him. And it set him back. He struggled uh, at 189 in, his, in, in that season overall. He was worse at the beginning of the year before he went down to Pawtucket and had some success. Uh, same thing in 2014. Essentially, he won the job out of camp, and, and uh, or I guess he got it early in the year and really uh, uh, struggled again, uh, hit below 200, struck out a ton. Uh, and you started wondering if he was going to be able to hit. Last year, uh, the power came around a little bit. He ended up with a decent uh, OPS. So it was over 800, but um, it was really the ups and downs. I mean, he had that crazy good August, just which feels like everything that he's been doing right now this season, uh, but then fell off again in September, which puts a question mark again back on the end of uh, Jackie Bradley. Who can he be? What is he? We still don't know completely. He's been incredible this year. It's great to see. I hope the inning streak goes on for another 30 games. Uh, but uh, eventually the slump is going to come around with him. And it, it just depends if the slumps, slump has been, uh, if the slump ends up being as pronounced and prolonged as it has been in the past. Because if he can shorten those up and have the downturns be uh, brief and, and solve whatever the mystery is that's causing him to slump and get back to uh, swinging the bat wall again, this is an outstanding player and a core player and someone that you're thrilled to have on your team with uh, the, the capable offensive production on top of the brilliant defense that he usually plays in center field. So uh, here's hoping that uh, the real Jackie Bradley is a reasonable facsimile of what we're seeing right now. But uh, uh, we got to see what the slump looks like first. Hopefully it just doesn't run as long as they have in the past. Yeah, slumps have run into half seasons, um, Chad. But uh, look, <laughs> right. we're, we're 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 all happy that he's playing well. Um, but I, these two will tell me I'm the pessimist of the show, so I'm going to ask you this question: um, What is there any likelihood at all that he's on steroids? And I, I, just because that whole report hasn't come out yet, the league was talking about releasing new names. Is there any chance at all this guy's juicing? There's a chance with everybody, but I would be shocked. I mean, I, I just uh, I don't think that's it. I think I think. Uh, what happened with him is he just got on a messed up career path. You look at you look at who he was before he first made the major leagues. He hit at every level in the minor leagues, but it took him time to adjust when he first got there. Um, and skipping AAA with him was a bad idea. And he, making the roster out of spring training for a guy who hasn't played in AAA yet is a bad idea because if he has a setback, it's going to be a steep setback, and that's what happened to him. Uh, they sent him down to the minor leagues that year. He struggled. He's In 2014, he struggled when they sent him down. But the last couple of years, he's really hit well in the minors, and he's had his, his share of ups in the majors. Again, they were just so up and down last year. You, you need to wonder what the downs are. But, um, no, I don't think uh, by any means that, that this is a suggestion that there's something nefarious going on with him. I think he's learned how to identify and hit a breaking pitch at the major league level. His bat's quick enough to hit a fastball. His confidence is up there. Um, he's finally, uh, after a long period of adjustment, is hitting well at the major league level, just like he did at every other level uh, along the way. Sometimes it took time for him to get going, but eventually he did get going, and I think that's what we're looking at right now. It just happens to be that he's on an incredible tear right now. I don't, I don't think Jackie Bradley Jr. is a 300 hitter. I think he's a 280 hitter, a little bit of pop, and uh, does a lot of good things for you. So the slump will come around with him, but uh, I, I don't think this is PED-related whatsoever. I just think this is a guy who's uh, who's got it going right now. I'd even take 260, the way he plays defense. I would, too. That's what we said last year, right? <laughs> Jesus, 
250, 260, and he ended up at 249. You know, uh, he's a guy with a decent OBP. So, but one of the things he's talked about is he swings more now. He looked, he, he said this, I think, at Pete Abraham's story in the Globe the other day on him. Uh, he goes back and looks at video of his first stints in the major leagues, and the Red Sox preached, work the count, work the count, work the count. He did to an extreme value, uh, level, and he says now, I'll go back and look at those at-bats, and he took hittable pitches just because he was trying to work the count. And uh, Now if he sees he gets his pitch, he sees his pitch, he has the confidence to let it fly and uh, uh, try to hit it rather than to get into a 3-1 count or whatever it happens to be that he's trying to do before. So he's a hitter with a much clearer mind now, I think, than he was when he, when he first got to the major leagues. Yeah, no, that's... That would be definitely good for him to keep this up because he is on, on absolute fire right now. Uh, Chad, we don't want to obviously keep you all night here, even though I would because you're a great guy. <laughs> we, we appreciate uh, sure. you being here for, with us because this is fantastic. I wanted to cover one more player who kind of could go either way that kind of doesn't get talked about. I want to know if you think that Matt Barnes can be a successful major leaguer or is he going to be a bust? Oh, probably somewhere in the middle. How's that for a cop out? Uh, <laughs> oh man, he was. Uh, it, it. He's going to be a what if forever because he's clearly going to be a relief pitcher at this point. And uh, the player the Red Sox were targeting in that draft, and they took him in the first round. It was Sonny Gray, who, uh, at least up until this year, has been one of the better pitchers in the major leagues, and has been someone who's sort of a pipe dream for Red Sox fans uh, to be the guy that they trade for. Uh, they missed him by, I believe, one pick, ended up with Barnes, who went to UConn, and they thought he was going to be a front-of-the-rotation guy, but he just didn't develop that way. I think his fastball was a little bit too straight. His command wasn't quite what uh, what it needed to be. And so uh, last year they put him in the bullpen and said, throw the hell out of the ball and see where it takes you. He, he struggled with it last year, mastered it a little bit more this year, uh, and looks like somebody who at the very least, is going to be someone who comes out of the bullpen uh, in the sixth, seventh inning when you need a strikeout and, and against a right-handed hitter and uh, has a pretty good chance of getting you that strikeout. But he's still a little bit wild. Uh, he's walked uh, it, It's more than a batter every two innings this year. I'm not sure the number's off the top of my head, but it's probably around four and a half uh, per nine, and, and that's just not good enough because – uh, you figure he's going to be someone coming into sticky situations from time to time. You don't want him putting runners on base. He's also been a little bit homer prone in the past. He's given up a, a couple this year, but not too drastic. It's something you keep your eyes on. But uh, with that velocity, being able to dial it up at 97 when he needs to, uh, he's someone who should be able to give you a power arm in the back of the back of the bullpen. I don't know if he's ever a closer, but might end up uh, his, his peak value might be as a uh, Really good, hard-throwing setup guy. Um, so, Chad, one more question before we let you go sure. um, and get you out of the hot seat here. Um, the biggest story, I think, coming into this year was, well, one of, was Hanley moving to first base. Mm-hmm. And we all obviously sat here and criticized it, and we all know how that story went. But do you think him playing this well changes their mindset of maybe considering trying to deal him now that he has some value? Um, he looks like he's having fun in the dugout. Like, what's the outlook now for Hanley that he's playing baseball again? Yeah, I mean, I guess anything is possible, but uh, I think they look at him and see a guy who, through a quarter of the season, has been probably as consistently happy on a daily basis as he's ever been in his career. I know, um, I don't know if you guys read Molly Knight's book about the Dodgers. Uh, the bet was, I think it's called The Best Team Money Can Buy. 
but there was some thought uh, with, with, within their organization that maybe he was bipolar because his mood swings were so drastic that uh, one day he would uh, be the guy we're seeing right now, really happy-go-lucky, and the next day he would just grumble and uh, uh, not not really have any contact with anybody who were you know, trying to talk to him. He'd just turn his shoulder and walk away. Uh, real ups and downs with, with his personality, and he, it seems all ups this year and, and uh, really consistent and you said he seems happy. I, I I think that's the case. I think he really is happy. He likes first base. Uh, he likes showing people that, hey, guess what? I can do this. And uh, he's made some really good adjustments as a hitter, too. I mean, this guy is, over the last 10 years, has been one of the better hitters in baseball. I know he's had his problems. He is a hard time staying on the field. And um, when the injuries happen, you know, sometimes his power dissipates for a while. But he's a guy who's been a very productive hitter the major league level won a batting title, hit, uh, hit a lot of home runs, used to be able to even run. Uh, and I think the Red Sox feel really good about him right now. They, they still owe him a lot of money, but uh, all things being considered, unless they got a, a, an offer for him that they looked at as uh, $0.125 cents on, on the dollar, I think they're really happy with Hanley Ramirez. He's sort of saved them to some degree when they came into the season having really no sense if he could handle first base at all and who their first baseman was going to be and uh, how things were going to shake out at the corners. And because he's been able to handle first and Travis Shaw has been able to handle third base, two, two things that looked like they were issues of this team at the beginning of spring training have turned out to be strengths. So uh, I, I think they have a reason to be happy with Hanley as much as Hanley has a reason to be happy that he's here. Yeah, and I, I did read that book um, and the bipolar thing. It makes so much more sense, Chad, seeing it every day. Um, seeing him every day, I think that, that could make even more sense. But like I said, he does seem happy. Um, again, we're talking with Chad Finn of the Boston Globe. Uh, Chad, we'll let you go on that note. We appreciate the time. Um, and, of course, don't be a stranger. We'll love to have you on again. You bet. Anytime, guys. That was fun. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chad. Yeah, all right. Take care. You too. All right. Again, Chad Finn. Follow him at Globe Chad Finn. Um, and he was brought to you by our very new sponsor, Blue Apron. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of arsenal suppliers, family fun farms, fisheries and ranchers, whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes. Blue Apron is bringing you the best for less than $10 a meal. Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with the pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Jess, you made your first Blue Apron meal today. I sure did, and if you want to head over to at CLNS underscore Jeff Sane on Twitter, shameless self-promotion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I tweeted throughout my uh, my experience with, with uh, Blue Apron, and actually my uh, oh, fiancé. Wow, that sounds really weird. Uh, yeah, I keep saying it. It's great. Yeah, she took some uh, some videos and some, some uh, uh, pictures. That's the word. Uh, yeah. So you can look at her at, at MC Bridget underscore because um, she took some stuff too. So we yeah we had a great time. We made some uh, some grilled cheese with strawberry jam and some uh, kale salad. So it was yeah it was really Yum. good. It was it was uh, healthy and you can check out my experience there at my Twitter handle. But yeah it's it's a really cool thing and I'm definitely happy to be on board with them because it's it's a cool thing you know having meal sent to you for a, a solid price and uh you know all the ingredients are right there yep and they have variety they're flexible uh easy meals easy to cook meals available in a may are crispy cod and cabbage slot tacos with uh 
pepita? I think that's how you say it. Uh, pineapple and avocado salsa, Middle Eastern chicken and chickpea stew with pita croutons, so much more. Um, we got a deal for you, though. Uh, check out this week's menu and get your two free meals with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash redsocksbeat. Uh, you will love how good it feels and it tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Again, that's blueapron.com slash redsocksbeat. It's Blue Apron, a better way to cook, and of course, we're glad to have them aboard with us. Um, again, thanks to Chad for jumping on um, with us to talk a little Red Sox, talk a little everything. Very knowledgeable, as you, if you have not noticed through that interview. He knows his stuff. Um, so we appreciate him coming on. But him coming on means we had to push off the wonderful world of what Jess's recap turns into. So um, before we get into any further what Chad talked about, maybe we kind of recap a little bit here. Let's just, let's tell Jess, uh, Jess kind of take us back to what a great week this, this kind of was. Fabulous week. Yeah, it especially ended well. Um, yeah, we'll definitely get to to Chad's stuff. Um, yeah, definitely check his work out because he is a columnist Phenomenal. and he writes a lot of really interesting columns on different topics and it's different than your average, you know, recaps and different things like that. He's not, he's not, he's not on the beat. That's the biggest part. He's not on the beat. So right. he's in and out of the locker room and can do his own stories. Which is cool. So and mm-hmm. you could kind of tell that that's the way he was with, with how he did this. So really cool stuff. We'll definitely discuss what he said. I'm not, I'm not going to make this a ridiculous recap because obviously we want to talk about other things yep. and what he talked about and other stuff. So I won't, do this long. I know I have trouble with that, but I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it short. <laughs> I'll stop you if you if it's too long. All right. I'm, I'm going to keep it real short here. So, um, yeah, tough start to the week. Monday's game was rained out against Kansas City. Mind you, I was camping until Thursday, so I did listen to these games, though. I stayed a fan. I stayed, I stayed good, so I still know what's up, which is good. Um, so, Tuesday, doubleheader. Uh, for first game, Sorry, Wednesday was a doubleheader. Tuesday was a regular game, and that was an 8-4 loss out of Kansas City. Rick Porcello finally struggled, but he did well today, so we'll forgive him. Uh, He gave up five runs in five innings, so he didn't get past six innings like he always does, and he gave up more runs than he usually does. So not a great start for Porcello. Um, Travis Shaw, a three-round homer, actually got the Sox back to within 5-4 at that point in the game, but Kansas City got three runs late off Koji Uehara, and Kansas City won 8-4, to four. and that that game to me, I was just like, you know what, they went 6-1 and one in the homestand before, scoring 73 runs, they were bound to lose the game at some point, right? Yeah, and look, Porcello had to have a bad game eventually, and this was it, and it, it, look, it's not against a bad roster, they just not haven't been playing well, so um, no shame in losing to Kansas City and not being your first bad loss, really. No, I mean, if your first struggling loss is against the defending World Series champs, I'm okay with it. And Porcello has been kind of the wild card in this entire series against any team he's faced. So I'm okay with him struggling against the defending World Series champs. Granted, they haven't been as good this year, but they're definitely picking it up now, and they seem to be improving as the season went on. Who doesn't have a little slump after winning a World Series? You don't have as much motivation (laughs) because you just won a World Series. So so that was Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, doubleheader. Uh, game one was tough. It was a 3-2 loss. Steven Wright pitched a complete game in eight innings, uh, and it was wasted because, obviously, Kansas City won. They just got that one extra run, and the Red Sox couldn't push it across, unfortunately. So uh, so that was a, a loss. So that was two losses in a row. And Hanley Ramirez actually almost almost uh, did some damage in the last inning. He pinched hit and flied out to the warning track. So almost we almost had a different game there. But um, Kansas City won 3-2 to two and took the first two games. But, as most doubleheaders go, the team split the doubleheader, and the Sox won Game 2, the night game, the 8-15 nightcap. Uh, David Price pitched, 
and the Sox won five to two. Price pitched seven and a third innings and only gave up two runs. He had five strikeouts against a team that does not strike out hardly at all. So very encouraging from him. He looked good for the second straight start. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. had a home run, and so did Mookie Betts. Bradley Jr. obviously continued his hitting streak because his hitting streak is still alive, so every game he extended his hitting streak. But enough offense in that game and a really good outing. So that was a good way to finish the uh, three-game series that happened all in two days. I think Bryce has gotten it back, guys. I think I think he figured it out. It was I delivery. So. Well, hopefully it's not the Mike Napoli situation where he <laughs> figured it out for like a couple games and then went back to sucking and striking out. So hopefully Price actually is going to do better and stay better. And for the record, Napoli has not done better since that ever. <laughs> I was no. I was just going to go off that, Jess. But you know, it's it's one start, and we'll get to Joe Kelly's one start. So <laughs> yeah, so we'll just go from there. I mean, yeah, you want consistency. It's if one or two good starts is like great. Just just like the bad starts, if you have three or four bad starts, people want to wait and see if it turns around. So, yes, it looks like it's turned around for Price, but let's wait a couple more starts to see if he can keep it going. So we'll definitely check that out. Um, Indians came up next Friday. Um, Clay Buckles, that's right. And <laughs> didn't look good to start, which is a unfortunate, uh, what's the word, consistent thing. Disaster. <laughs> All right, fine, whatever. Train <laughs> wreck. But it, he pitched well after he didn't pitch well, which is unfortunately the problem. But <laughs> typical, typical Clay Buckles. Yeah, it was. So Jason Kipnis hit a three-run homer off Buckholtz when the Sox were up two nothing. It made it three-two, and Buckholtz settled down, pitched several more innings. He went six, only gave up four runs, only three earned, which is funny enough because Sean McAdam brought this up on Twitter. It's technically a quality start because he had six innings pitched and three earned runs or less. Unfortunately, I totally, I totally called that on Twitter. Um, James Adams was like, how long do you think he's going to go? And I said, at least six. And he went six innings. Yeah, you got it. And shout out to Jim Adams. He's a really good uh, fan, I guess you call it. Avid fan, avid listener. Yeah, (laughs) and he responds to us, and we like more people like him. So jump on board, people. Be like Jim Adams. Um, Jim Adams, you win You win Best Fan Award for the week. Oh, absolutely. Or for the year. <laughs> we don't know, but probably. Yeah, so far you're in the running. You're top candidate for Fan of the Year. So if someone else wants to be Fan of the Year, then uh, let us know. So, yeah, so that was a 4-2 loss on Friday. Unfortunately, Buckles did, did settle down, but the offense could do nothing against Corey Kluber. You know, he was deciding a winner two years ago, so that's understandable. So at this point, the Red Sox are sitting at 1-3 in this week, and I'm sitting here thinking... They have not played like a one in three week because they didn't play that bad really at all. But it's just how the cards fell; they the wins didn't come. So, but that changed. So Saturday, uh, <laughs> Cleveland had a five game winning streak at this point, and the Red Sox said we're ending that. And uh, the mixture of Mookie Betts and Joe Kelly. Wow, Joe Kelly he pitched six and two thirds hitless innings. He did walk three all in the same inning in the. Uh, I think it was the third. Lauren can tell me because she was there. Um, <laughs> I believe no, it was the fourth. It was the fourth inning, and uh, yeah, we had an error in three walks for Kelly, but he went hitless for six and two thirds. I'm sure everyone's sitting there like this guy hasn't pitched in a month. How can he pitch a no hitter when he's throwing 100 pitches through six innings? And you know, he gave up a hit and then it took him out immediately. So that's a good question to ask. Do you think they would have kept him in without put that pitch count if he kept having hitless? I don't think well, three. The, I mean. From all the stuff that was talked about today and yesterday, no, they wouldn't have kept him in, which is complete BS on my part. But 
I mean, he only threw 104 pitches through seven and two thirds, or six and two thirds, when he was taken out. And I understand he only gave up one hit, but I'm like, yeah, I know he he John Farrell only wanted to limit Kelly to 95 pitches or whatever. But it's like he's got no hits through seven innings. I mean, I would have kept the guy in. I feel like John Farrell would have kept him in. Well, but he wouldn't though, have. He already said he didn't. He already said he wouldn't have. Yeah, I don't believe him. Yeah, you give him the pitch count, the 95 pitch count, and say he's seven and two-thirds into the no-hitter and he's throwing 128 pitches. You can't leave the guy in at that point, not in today's game, can you? Well, no, because after a shoulder impingement, I mean, yeah. I understand it's been over a month since the guy's thrown, but and he comes back and he throws a game like this. But 104 pitches, that's a lot for a guy who's injured and who's had... Hasn't pitched in a month. Exactly. <laughs> but it was such a fun game to watch. The atmosphere was amazing around everything. But, I mean, it sucks that if Joe Kelly would have gone to the ninth with 120-plus pitches, he wouldn't have been in there, which it, it sucks. But I'd rather have the health of my my starting, my starting rotation. I'd rather have them healthy than going through a no-hitter and then being on DL for however many days. Yeah, it's almost better that he gave up the hit because then it just made it easy. All right, you're out. Great game. See you later. <laughs> so that's how it worked out, fortunately. But yeah, it's funny how fast fans turn on good or bad. Joe Kelly's absolutely garbage, and then he comes in here and everyone's so excited. Six and two thirds hitless innings. This is incredible. <laughs> Joe Kelly's the best pitcher in the world. It's hilarious. <laughs> I was thinking hilarious. of you. I was I was thinking of you, Jess, because he was doing so well, and I was like, this is ridiculous because we've just crapped on him, you know. All year, and after his should. last start, exactly. <laughs> I'm still going to crap on him. So, but after his last start and him just not saying that he was hurt, I was like, "Wow, he's doing so well." So everyone's going to be on his side. But God forbid, his next start, he goes two and a third, and he gives up six hits. Everyone's going to turn on him again. That's oh, yeah. the, issue. the public enemy number one, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> number yep. two, because Clay Buckles is number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> But not for me and Chad Finn. Kelly's number one on our list. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he said number one or if it was just not number five. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, either way, Buckles and Kelly, neither of them are top of the rotation, clearly. Unless Joe Kelly decides to go out there and throw no hitters every game, then I guess we kind of have to slide him into that spot. <laughs> we'll see. Either way. I'm okay with it. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, yeah, Betts, two home runs, five RBI in that game. He had a grand slam. The Red Sox, fourth grand slam of the year. They're just ripping it up. I mean, obviously, they're they're ripping it up in every category, which we'll talk about <laughs> in just a little bit. But that was a great game, 9-1 win. Glad you got to see it, Lauren. And um, brought us into Sunday today, which is another great game, 5-2 win for the, for the Red Sox. David Ortiz, 4-4 four for four with a home run, two doubles and a single, and he came inches away from hitting for the cycle. And, God, he should have because that stupid <laughs> low fence – if that was fence was just slightly higher, I guarantee he would have gotten a triple. Foot problems and all, that was that was a triples hit, and he would have had a cycle. See, it would have been incredible. That bounce took. A, that's a weird bounce too. It wasn't like it was a normal like oh up and over. Like it hit the ground just right enough to be at the right angle. Like it was like the baseball gods didn't want David Ortiz to hit a cycle. That's exactly um, what I was about to say. Like if it didn't happen today, it's not going to happen in his career. Like today was the chance. Oh shut uh, up! It's going to happen. Yeah. Dude, he's retiring at the end of the season. Like, it's not happening. Um, but, like, it, his and, whole career, it's not happening. And I honestly, I honestly think, though, if he did that today, the place would have went crazier than it did when he walked off with the triple to tie the game and then the double to win the game, When I, that game that I was there. Mm-hmm. 
it would went. Cr- I think Fenway would have been crazier today than they would have that game if they actually did that. Yeah, because he's walked off before. He's never hit a cycle. So never, never. I, I agree. He's, he's so, never walked off in his life. <laughs> good one. Twenty, twenty walkoffs now with that uh, that one on Ugh. in your game, Jared. Pretty incredible. Hall of Famer. Oh God. You know, <laughs> And the foot problems he's had this year, like I get, I've been reading articles, like he's, he's having so much trouble with his feet and treatment twenty four seven, and the fact that he's still hitting this well is just amazing. And you know what, Jess? That right there is why he's retiring. Yeah, and he should. If he can barely even like get up and move around, he should be retiring. So he can. Everyone else can complain about it, but clearly he knows that his feet can't do it forever, and. He's not going to have to, which is nice for him. It's great that he goes out on top. It's just a shame because between losing his bat and his leadership, it's going to be a huge, huge, huge blow. Yeah. But I don't really want to talk about series. it. <laughs> yeah, but Lauren, you picked us to win the World Series, and right now <laughs> we have one of the best records in the league, so why not? David Ortiz, four championships, amazing. I mean, no, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you, of course. But, <laughs> Jess, I love you. I'm not going to argue with you. But it's just like... Uh, I don't want him to retire. Like just watching oh. the game on on Saturday was just awesome because he's so much fun to watch. He's so much fun to just be around. And I'm like, ugh, why does he have to retire? Like, if we go the <laughs> distance and my prediction is right, it's just like, ugh. Well, that's I mean, great, Elise. That'd be a great way to end it. But no, obviously, I I want to go on on top. But at the same time, it's like, no, don't don't retire. I know. Don't retire. He's retiring. As much as I don't want him to, he's retiring. It's funny how we still wanted to be here, even though he's been here for 13 years. He's been here so long, and it's still like, no, don't, please. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. I know. No, it does not feel that long either. Yeah, no, Jared, it's crazy. No, it doesn't. But they did get a big win today on the back of him, for sure. Yes, 5-2 win. He had three of the five RBI. Hanley, Ortiz, and Bogarts had seven hits. And all five RBI, so <laughs> middle of the order. And Rick Porcello pitched, pitched good enough. He pitched can, five. Can we just th- talk about that real quick? Like, Porcello and Hanley, it's like these two guys that we just absolutely crapped on all offseason. And now they're one of the, two of the best players that we have on this team. Like, Porcello is just dominant every start. Hanley is just having fun at first. Fun. He's picking yeah. plays. He's doing the right thing at first. And all offseason, we were like, no, he's going to suck. This is a disaster. And he's just proving us wrong. And same with Porcello. Like, I love Porcello. I've been behind him, unfortunately. But unfortunately, no. You shouldn't say unfortunately because now and- he's pitching really well. But it's like, okay, these two guys that were absolutely horrible last year are now just doing what they can this year and just proving and I wanna- us wrong. And just a huge shout out to Porcello too. As much as I, I, I mean, I, I'm grow, He's growing on me. He's actually pitching well. He obviously did end of last year as well. But today was the type of start where he had to grind it out. Like the bullpen's been working, um, their butts off, and they need innings out of him. And, and he went, and he went the, decently far into the game enough to help the bullpen. So I, I think even though it wasn't his best start this year, um, and it wasn't against a great team by per se, huge shout out for the way he kind of dug down and pitched today. It was a true blue-collar start by him. Well, that's that's what good pitchers do. If you don't have your stuff, you still pitch well enough, keep the team in the game, and come out with a win, which is exactly what he did. Yeah, he's been great. It's, well, that's the thing with all these guys, like Porcello and Hanley. and is They're good players, and they're so crucial to the team. And if they're not playing well, like last year, clearly the team doesn't do well, then they do play well, like they are this year, and it's completely the script's completely flipped, which is awesome. So it's just it's great to actually see these guys who have proven to be good players actually do it. 
Go figure, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's crazy. Um, they're actually, but no, look, he's doing well. Um, and he's certainly earning his twenty million dollar paycheck, Absolutely. a year paycheck. Oh yeah, definitely seven and two. Year under three. So that brings us to the end of the week. It's a three and three week. It finished very well. It really didn't feel like a three and three week because I think they played better than that. Obviously, the doubleheader thrown in there always throws things off because teams rarely win both games of the doubleheader. So MVP for the week, um, basically everyone. But (laughs) (laughs) you get an MVP award. You get an MVP award. Everyone gets an MVP. The way the offense is playing, that's basically what it is. But I'm gonna. I'll prioritize one, Mookie Betts. He was 10 for 24 with three home runs, six RBI, four doubles, seven runs. He had an absolutely great week, which is good. And a grand slam. And a grand slam, yeah. So he's bringing his average up. He's getting it closer to like 280, 285, and he'll keep raising it. Just like last year, he did the same exact thing. He was terrible, and he just raised the average slowly throughout the season. And maybe that's just what he's going to do in his career, but they're going to need him, and he's playing great. So he wins MVP. We'll give co-MVPs, like, second and third place. Obviously, Jackie Bradley Jr. can continue his hitting streak every game. He's up to 342, unbelievable. And Xander Bogarts, because he's just been on an absolute tear. He's also on a huge hitting streak. He's up to, I believe, it's 16 after today's game, and he's hitting 346, and he's just been an on-base machine. And then, obviously, David Ortiz hit four for four today and he's gotten new multiple hits and multiple games so literally everyone but we'll give number one to Beth. i mean i can't even argue with you because i mean yesterday at the game it was just when he hit that grand slam fenway just went insane and it's like he's already been hitting so well in the past few weeks but yesterday it was just he really had a chance to prove himself with base loaded and he clearly did that he's coming yeah and look <laughs> he, he, it's been great that he's been hitting well, um, and this team is really moving forward. And I wouldn't have been able to argue anybody if you, whoever you gave me for an MVP, Jess. That's how good of a week it was. Yeah, any of those guys, all, all fantastic. And you got to have all of them to get the wins, and they contributed. So, pretty awesome. So yeah, so there it is. Jess's recap for the week. Great week for the Red Sox. Um, wanted to get that in because it was such a good week. So we wanted to make sure we kind of caught you all up and reacted to everything that happened. Um, more ups and downs, I think, this week, guys. So I think overall, great week despite the couple losses. Um, and ending on a high note is always nice. And ending on a high note is always nice. And you, you got a day off coming into this week, and you should go into the, this uh, series against the Rockies. So we'll see what happens there, and we'll predict that before we get out of here. But um, like we did, we did have uh, Chad Finn on earlier in the show, and he was very insightful, and he had some stuff to say, and kind of want to react, but also just touch on some stuff that happened around baseball uh, in terms of the Red Sox and this week and how everything happened. And I do want to start with Jackie Bradley because look, he's he's getting there towards the best record hitting streak in baseball. Um, he's at what twenty seven right now, twenty eight, twenty seven, um, and it's thirty three, right? In Red Sox history, What's, yeah, thirty four. Yeah. So it's it's almost there. He's and I, I he might get it, guys, because the way he's hitting the ball. Um, but look. I, I, I'm, I know I asked Chad Finn this question about the steroids. I personally do not think he's juicing um, because we've seen him hit so well throughout the levels up until this point. I think Chad made a great point of he just got – he came up so soon in his career that he didn't really have time to adjust. And now he hits – he's hitting so well. I think it's just finally – he's learning how to hit at the major league level, and he finally has done that, and he's learning how to hit big league pitching. No, I think you're right, like – he was, and we were all for him when he was in Pawtucket, just hitting these awesome like 500. numbers. Yeah, he was hitting these awesome numbers, and then he came up and he couldn't figure it out. But now he's finally figured it out, and 
I don't believe he's on steroids. I know he's young. I know he can give into the pressure easily. Look at A-Rod. He was 19 and all that. But do I think he's on steroids? No. I mean, people have great streaks all the time. And I think it's just, it will die out eventually, unfortunately. But I don't think he's juicing at all. I just, I think he would look different. He would be different. And he made, he's made some great plays offensively, he sh- or defensively, I mean. And now he's just at the plate, and he's just producing. And that's what we've wanted since last season. And now we're finally getting it. And now it's like, no, he's on steroids. Like, no, just, just shut up. Fine. <laughs> Fine. He's not on steroids. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he is either. It's obviously it's it obviously crept into our mind because we're sitting here like, oh, there's all the pressure in the world on you. You haven't produced offensively for the first two, three years of your career. People think you're good, so now make yourself good with steroids. It makes sense, but he's a good dude. I mean, you see him talk. He's so down-to-earth. He's just a nice guy. And I know people can be deceiving, I, like Ryan Braun, for example. You know, you want to believe these people. You want to believe they're good guys. But I truly believe that he is, and I know how hard he works. Everyone on the team talks about how hard of a worker he is. And, you know, he had the, he has a defensive prowess. So he wanted to put the whole package together. I think he just worked went there and, and uh, did it. And like Chad said, he, he's swinging earlier in the counts. Now he's got not getting himself into the 0-2 holes where it's so hard to hit. And he's just putting all together. And his swing's beautiful. I mean, he's got, he's got a fantastic swing. It's really balanced. He's, he's always on the ball. So I think at this point, he's just seeing the ball well. People aren't sure how to pitch him. Yeah, he'll probably drop off a little bit. But he uh, it, the way he's swinging, and his swings is he appears to be the real deal. And I'm definitely interested to see what a slump is. Like Chad said, if it's two weeks or if it's four months, so we'll definitely see. But I do want to say, I feel really smart because my other two predictions were obviously garbage, but I did make a <laughs> prediction at the start of the year. It's in writing before the season started. I said that he'd hit 335 and win the batting title. What's happening? He's hitting 342 and he's first in the AL. It's happening. Okay. It's got to happen the entire season, it has not to, just yeah. into May. So I, know, I, know. But I'm I give you credit now, so far. For now. I give you credit for now. Um, I thank you for that. I'd, be, I'd give you a ton of credit if a bold prediction actually came true, because those never do. So I'd give you a ton of credit that. For is that is not true, because Mookie Betts only needs, like, 12 more home runs for the All-Star break to, for my prediction to come true. And that's not happening. No, so he only needs eight. What do you mean it's not no, happening? You said he needed – you said 17. He has nine. That's only eight. Yeah, he doesn't need that many more for the All-Star break before I – yeah, he could hit eight for the All-Star break. He's going to do it, Jared, and you're going to eat your words. Okay. Okay, I'm fine. With, I, hey, if this team's getting better, I'll eat, I'll eat my words. But until I see it, whatever. I still think um, JBJ hitting three thirty-five and winning the batting titles more bold than Betts hitting 17 home runs for the All-Star break. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, that wasn't that bold. Um, yours is bold because he was hitting like 200. So, exactly. um, look. I don't think he's staying at 342, obviously. I think he's going to finish around 280, 290, which I'm fine with because I thought he's going to be like a 240 hitter this year. So um, the one guy I do think is going to stay hot, I think his batting average is going to stay pretty high, is Xander Bogarts. Um, Of course you do. (laughs) Of course you do. Duh. Um, Look, he's hitting 346, um, and he came really close to the batting title last year. I expect him to be right back up there this year with the Red Sox being – one of the best teams in the American League right now with the Orioles, and only one team in baseball has a better record than the Red Sox right now, and that's the Cubs. Um, so, I, I, yeah, and I expect him to be hitting like this come the end of the year with the Red Sox, putting the Red Sox on his back. 
Well, he's doing exactly what you expect, what, what we expected him to. He's still not hitting a ton of home runs because he's a line drive hitter. He just gets hits, 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 hits. He has the most hits <laughs> in, the, in the league. He just the guy just rakes the ball, line liners, you know, solid, solid line drive hits to all fields, and he's just boy, God, he's just incredible. Three forty six, like he never has a bad game. This guy, and when he gets his pitch, he can hit the ball over the fence. Yeah, he's so good. It's it's really fun to watch. I love it. No, he is fun to watch and. Absolutely, I'm glad oh he's not hitting or up at the plate for pressure for power because we don't. I mean, sure, I'd love to see him hitting home run after home run, but at the same time, if there's guys on base and he's knocking in singles, doubles, triples, whatever, he's driving in runs. I'm okay with it. You don't need to hit home runs to be good in my book. Because he's he's knocking the guys in who are getting on base. He's knocking the Jackie Bradleys in, the Mookie Betts in, uh, Pedroia's ahead of him. So he doesn't need to hit for power because the guys behind him can with Ortiz, Hanley, and Travis Shaw, who's been on a tear as well. So um, I expect him to keep this up. Um, I Not really a bold prediction, but I think he's going to be better than Nomar and Garcia Parra when all said, is all said and done. Um, that's pretty bold. That's not really I that bold. I don't think it's that Nomar. bold. Yeah, not really. Nomar was good, but like this guy's on a whole other level. I mean, yeah, but... I mean, he's also Lauren. Don't let your Lauren. Don't let your fangirl come out right now. My like, fangirl. <laughs> don't 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 hear Nomar and just freak out because I say someone's gonna be better than Nomar. I mean, I see um, Xander and your fangirl comes out. So <laughs> yeah, my fangirl comes out for a guy who's better than Nomar was. So okay. no, Xander. No, I I take no credit away from Xander, but he's 23 years old, and I'm glad he's hitting the way he is. Is he better than Nomar? Yep. Right now, he's going, to, he's going to be. Well, it's tough though because if you don't forget that Nomar was hitting like three sixty, three seventy in his first couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I he hope did. I hope he's better than Nomar because I want a shortstop who is more consistent than Nomar. We haven't had one since since him, so I really hope that. I mean, Jared, I hope for your sake that. <laughs> Dude, I'm punching this this guy's ticket to the Hall of Fame already. So I know you are, and in ten years when we're still doing this show and he's not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I'm He'll still be playing in 10 years. What are you talking about? I know, and we're not going to be doing the show in 10 years. We're going to be so much older than him. Hold on. Um, he does have a, uh, a short life sometimes, so he could be done in 10 years. You never know. That's true. Not, not but, a, uh, like a short baseball life. <laughs> short. <laughs> I was going to say, he's going to like pass away in 10 years, Jess? Yeah, like, sure we done. Um, <laughs> okay, so as much as we're talking positives, guys, we have to talk a couple negatives before we kind of get out of here. It's... I, I think the biggest one this week was Carson Smith going back on the deal. This, this guy's coming in as a cog in your bullpen. Great signing. No one hesitated on why we would have traded Wade Miley for this guy. And now you've got nothing out of him. A couple innings here and there. I mean, I still think he's going to be solid in the bullpen. I think he just needs to figure out what's going on with him and his injury. And, Jess, I know he was your player to watch out for this year. And now he can't stay off the DL. But he's not the player. Might I even pitch again this year. I mean, he's not the player we expected to be on the DL all year. But, I mean, I think he just needs to figure it out. He's young. He can do it. And, I mean, I miss Wade Miley. I do. But <laughs> I liked him. I liked Wade. I liked him, too. But, I mean, we have a solid bullpen regardless of Carson Smith. And when he comes back, I think it's just going to make it stronger. But at the same time, it's like, mm, we trade away a good starting, a solid starting pitcher for somebody who can't stay off the DL. Reliable starting pitcher, yeah. It's, I don't know. I mean, first, obviously, we need to see what his problem is, if he's going to miss the whole year or if this is another short thing. That's the first question. Second thing, I mean, yeah, the bullpen's pitched well without him, really well. So, so far, we haven't missed them. Question is, 
we hit in like July, August, is that still going to be the case? Because are these, are these guys going to wear out? Do you need an extra arm? If he's not out for the year, if he comes back, you know, say in like July, and the guys are starting to wear out, that could be a huge lift. But we need him to be durable. So he's still kind of my player to watch for, even though he's pitched three innings this season. Because if he can come back, it could be a big lift to the bullpen later in the year. But yeah, he's obviously got to come back and not have Tommy John surgery and everything. So it's definitely a big question mark. But it was kind of discouraging because I didn't get to see enough of him. I think that you're right, though, in him still being your player to watch because it's intriguing to see how he handles all this, mm-hmm. um, how he works his rehab, and if he does come back, if he can stay healthy. Um, because, look, if he's healthy and he's good like he should be, he's going to be a cog in this bullpen and go right back to the eighth inning like he was. You know, look, he pitched well when he was pitching like the last month before he was back on the shelf. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes. But no one expected, like you said, Lauren, him to be on the DL this long. But no one also expected Eduardo Rodriguez to be on the DL this long. Um, That's more and, shocking than Smith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, especially because Smith throws weird, Yeah. Um, like uh, Chad brought up. But, look, Eduardo Rodriguez is predicted to be a really good pitcher, and he can't get on the field. Um, I know it, it, he went in a good direction throwing a bullpen. I think he got a start. But he could he could be gone for the entire season if something goes wrong really quickly. So th- that's just as big of a deal, if not worse. I don't think he'll be gone for the rest of the season. I mean, he's wearing a knee brace now, and coming from somebody who's had multiple knee injuries, it's really hard to trust your knee again, especially as a pitcher. And that knee brace is going to help him. It's going to give him the stability. But, I mean, it sucks when you dislocate your when you dislocate your knee, and it is the hardest thing to trust it again. But I think he'll be fine. I was watching the game today, and he looked like he – he wasn't really thrilled about wearing it. I mean, they were kind of showing a close-up of it, but, I mean, he's wearing his uniform. It's kind of hard to see. But, I mean, I don't see him really taking a, a, a bad start. I think he's going to be fine when he gets back out, out on the mound. I think he's anxious to get back on the mound just like any other pitcher would. But he needs to get back out there. He needs to build that trust in his in his knee, in, the, in his whole entire side of that body because – once you dislocate that that knee, it's it's game over, and you just need to. It's on you. It's it's on you to build that trust, and he'll do it. I know he will. He's especially with our starting five. He'll know that he needs to get in there, and he needs to be that kind of pitcher that that needs to to be trusted. I think that's my biggest concern with it is how he pitches when he comes back because, as we all know, he's pitched like crap in his rehab start so far, and it seems to be because he wasn't getting the proper push-off because his knee was still in some kind mm-hmm. of pain. So does he get that fixed? Does this help it? If he comes back and <laughs> gives up, like, six runs in three innings in, like, two or three straight starts, we're not going to want him in the rotation. So I don't think necessarily he'll miss the season because – of being out and not pitching, I think he would not pitch because he's not pitching well. And I don't think he even comes back until he pitches somewhat decent in AAA anyway. Even if he feels okay, I don't think he comes back until he can prove he can at least do it at AAA for a little while. Because you don't even necessarily need him at, at the moment. <laughs> I mean, I would love him. Well, if he was 100%, side, I would I mean... love him. <laughs> but, like, um, he's not 100%, so I agree. Yes, right now we don't need what he can be because he can't be anything better than Buckles. Um, and I think, honestly, I, I know I keep bringing up Buckles, but he's your measuring stick right now. If you can't get him better than Buckles, you don't bring him back. Right. And I think that's where, if you can get something better than Buckles, then that's when you bring him back. Or Joe Kelly. <laughs> Joe Kelly's already back, though. So right, it's, one, it's one start, though. It's one start. And as much as I enjoyed watching it yesterday, do we trust him for... No. It, <laughs> no. So, so don't be like, oh, it's Joe Kelly, Joe Kelly. 
if he comes back, but, if his next two starts, he gives up like seven runs in three innings again, then we're replacing Rodriguez, him him with Rodriguez, not Buckles with Rodriguez. Okay, can I ask this, though, because I did bring this up earlier um, with a friend of mine, and I was curious to see what you guys thought about it, too. Um, does Obviously, we know Joe Kelly pitched well last year, at the end of the year, once he came back and was kind of healthy. And um, So does this... Pitching well, is it really just, was he not healthy? Is that really the only thing why he was not pitching well last year and the beginning of this year? Is it all just health and that now that he's healthy again, supposedly, he's going to be fine? I mean, when you're a pitcher and something is wrong with your arm or your shoulder or anything in your pitching side of the body, it's going to affect you. And do I think he figured it out? Yeah, I do. But am I convinced by one start? No, I'm not because even though he pitched really well at the beginning of, or the end of last season, and he didn't say anything about his injury in his last start. I, I'm i still a little pessimist, which, Jared, you would love. But Welcome. <laughs> it's just I loved what I saw yesterday. I love that. That's the Joe Kelly that we're paying for. But he needs to prove it two or three more starts, and he's going to be okay. I think he figured it out with his shoulder impingement. It's just it doesn't really seem like anything more. He looked a lot more confident yesterday. He looked a lot more like more Joe Kelly-esque that, that we've wanted in the last year. So I think we just need to wait and see. At one start, I love it. I'm excited for it. But I'm not going to get – I'm not going to jump on the Joe Kelly bandwagon because give me two or three more starts of that same Joe Kelly-esque, and then we're going to be good. Yes. Yeah, I, that's a great question, Jared. It's you feel like that's the case with all pitchers. Like if you're healthy, yep, these guys are major league pitchers for a reason, aren't they? So if you're healthy, you're good. If you're not healthy, you're not good. So I think that's a totally valid point because when he's supposedly been healthy, he's been good, and when he could possibly be hurt, he's been terrible. So, but you have seen guys pitch through injuries like that before like you've seen guys with shoulder tightness and all this stuff obviously not some to the major degree pitch well through injury so that's why i mean i just question his grit then or maybe i question his mentality yeah but, i don't think he's a very uh, strong dude no so maybe that's what i'm questioning but i have you've obviously seen starters pitch through her injuries obviously you don't want him to do that this early in the season but um I'm intrigued to see if he can stay healthy if he can keep this up because that obviously would mean that would be the reason why he wasn't pitching like that well at all right so um, that's definitely something to look at. But um, we'll get to predictions. Obviously, a good week coming up for the Red Sox. Um, a lot talked about today, but we, there's a couple of uh, MLB headlines we wanted to get to. Um, one quicker than the other one. I, I just want to touch on this one, too. But um, Major League Baseball wants to raise the strike zone and get rid of intentional walks. Um, so supposedly this has been agreed on. Um, Major League Baseball raising strike zone. Do you guys like that? Is like, is it going to matter? Because people are still going to the high strikes will get called higher, and then it's still going to be even worse. Like, it's not going to change much. I don't think. No, it's absolutely stupid. Because growing up when I played softball, the strike zone was always from our knees to the lettering on our jersey. And I feel with regardless of who your umpire is, it's going they're going to have a different opinion of strike zone. And when you have somebody like Dustin Pedroia, who's I don't know, five foot eight, five foot nine. And then you have somebody who's David Ortiz, who's over six feet. The strike zone's going to be different, and I don't think it's easy to be like, oh, let's race the strike zone, because their height is what depends on that. So mm-hmm. I think I think it's stupid, but 
I mean, if it's good, if you can agree on one specific strike zone, but it's not going to work out. Yeah, I don't see it really making that much difference. That's great. We can change what you call it, but all umpires call it differently, and everyone has a different strike zone, and they kind of call the same strike zone no matter what your height is, I feel like, because, like, it's it's like a general part of the zone that you're throwing it in is where they're going to call the strike no matter what you are. So saying, oh, let's put it four inches higher, what's that going to do? It's pretty much nothing. It's like you said, Jared, it's going to be, well, then the higher up pitches are going to be called differently because you raise the strike zone as it is. So they're trying to do it to make the game faster and put more balls in play, but what's really going to change? I don't really think it's going to make a whole lot of difference. The intentional walks, sure, great. You get rid of four pitches. I guess that takes down a little time, but... Just let the game happen. Come on, you're trying too hard. This is yeah. Something like this is just a stretch in my opinion. Baseball is nitpicking. Look, umps are gonna miss calls regardless of how big the strike zone is. Um, you're still gonna get inconsistent strike zones. You're still gonna get bad calls and the guys kicking and screaming over bad call th- uh, third strike calls. It's not going to change much in that regard. It's going to widen the spectrum of how mad people are going to get. Uh, you might get a little more Vlad Guerrero in some people's swings because they think something's going to get called the strike. But besides that, it's not. It's, it's nitpicking. Um, intentional walk thing is good just because it takes. Four, if you intentional walk someone, that's that, as much as it's nitpicking again. It's four pitches. That's four throws that the pitcher doesn't have to throw. Thank God, because I hate intentional walks. No matter, and they take forever. No matter what the situation is, and even even yesterday when I was at the game, these bimbos behind me, like, it just makes me so angry because obviously Jackie Bradley was intentionally walked at his first at bat, and it it was stupid because I understand the guy at the time had a twenty five game hit streak, but the people behind me had no idea why he was getting intentionally walked. I was just like, ugh. Did you give him a piece of your mind? You should have. I, I, I literally, Jared, I, I literally turned around because the guy was explaining to his girlfriend. It was, there were two outs in the inning, and the guy was like, oh, they walked him because they wanted a, a an easier chance at a double play. And I turned around, and I said, there's two outs in the inning. They, they <laughs> essentially walked him because, A, the guy oh, had a 25-game pitch streak at the time, and when you have somebody on first and second instead of just second, you have the chance of getting a force out at first, second, or third. And the guy's and, and, like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, I want to move sections. Uh, that's what the problem is with the general consensus of Fenway faithful sometimes. When you go there and talk games, that's what you get you know, sometimes. People who don't know what's going on or what baseball it, is, it, yeah. Exactly, uh, that's what you get. Um, where'd you sit? Just I curious. was in the bleachers. That's why. Yep, there it is. Yep. You sat in the bleachers. Uh, you, don't hate on the bleachers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't hit on the. I don't. Jess, I sit there myself. Oh, I know. But my point is, those are the people who sit out there as well. So right. that is exactly why she got that. But I'm not shocked at all. Um, one other thing we want to touch on because it's just it's just so funny. Um, how do you say his first name? Rugned. It's Rugned, right? Ned okay. <laughs> Rugned Adore punched Jose Batista square in the face. Um, like square, like I loved seeing the slow mo vine of it because it literally was just like wound up and hit him square in the cheek and it just it laid Batista out. Um, obviously suspensions were given out for multiple people, but was this stemmed all the way back to last postseason? Like, is that really what this was? That's what I thought it was. Yep. Supposedly, yeah. I mean, that seems kind of dumb at this point. And like someone mentioned, I think this is the last time they were playing each other. Why would you wait that long if you're gonna do something like that? That's just weird. As much as I love baseball fights, it's just kind of like old at this point because this was all last season, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, there's nothing it's for it. Yeah. Like, if that happened, like, the last time they played them, 
then sure. But, like, it happened last year. You had a whole winter to get over it. Like, I guess the Asians just can't get over it. I guess. Now, the funny thing is, if this was Red Sox-Yankees, I'd be sitting there, yeah, good job, good punch, good job. <laughs> or, what the heck, what are you doing that for? Don't hurt David Ortiz. Like, we're it, kind of it separated would be... from the situation, yeah. Exactly, so we're seeing it kind of from not from a fan's perspective. But, um... but wow, though, holy crap, you, just the way you, like, <laughs> I was camping, I saw the... I saw what happened and then I clicked on the video I saw the vine like the slow motion and I was like wow you just don't see that in baseball someone just like they're standing in a boxing ring just beating the crap out of each other just yes. punch you straight in the face wow that's weird that, is- that was a KO in a box yeah. that was that was that was one punch down uh, from a lot of people and that was square to the cheek so um, definitely feeling for Bautista's uh, facial things going on <laughs> up there right now I'm sure he's feeling sore still from that but um, had to kind of touch on that quickly just because I think it, it, it's it's kind of meaningful because you don't see that anymore really in baseball. So, um, But before we get out of here, obviously we've had a good show today. Chad Finn joined us. Um, we just want to make our quick predictions for the week. we got three against the Rockies at home and three at the Blue Jays. Um, I'll start off, and I know I'm not the only one thinking this. The Rockies aren't good, guys. They're just not good. Um, they're going to sweep the Rockies, and, I'm, and that's coming from me, so they're going to sweep the Rockies. That's weird because I agree with you, and that never happens. Yeah, hey, look at that. Yeah, I, I'm picking two out of three. They're not good, but they have some good hitters, and they're not as bad as they usually are, at least yet. They're 21-21, and 21, and they're actually 13-11 and 11 on the road. They're actually a better road team than home, and they've scored 208 runs. Like, they're not they're not bad. I don't think they're to the Red Sox standard, and I think our batting could probably eat their pitching alive, but I don't want to go sweep because I feel like at least one game something will happen, but I think we'll play well. I just don't think they're quite as bad as everyone thinks. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, but, I, I, again, I just I hate – every time I don't say sweep, they sweep somebody. So I'm just going to do it. I'm going to stick to my gut this time because I wanted to say sweep for the A's when they did, when they did sweep them. Um, Boy, that was a sweep and, and a half. <laughs> that was a sweep and a half. So I'm, I'm going with my gut this time. Um, then you, after that, you have three at Toronto. Um, I'm going – they're taking two out of three from the Blue Jays um, just because I know the Blue Jays haven't been playing well, but – if you're going to sweep the Rockies, you're probably not going six and zero next week, just because Clay Buckholz is on your staff. So um, I'm going to I'm predicting a loss just because of that. But at the same time, you never know what you're going to get from Buckholz. True, but I'm going to go on the negative side because that's me. Because that's you, exactly. But but still, I got them five five and one, so I can't complain. I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm taking two or three from the Blue Jays too. Um, not necessarily because of Buckholz, but just because I have them sweeping the Rockies, I don't see them going six and zero. Yeah, and I'm going the exact opposite. I'm going with the sweep of the Jays because I didn't pick the sweep of the Rockies. I, I know it's road, and road games are tough sometimes, but the Jays are just severely underachieving. Wow, they're just garbage. They're pitching blows. They gave up 13 runs, 12 runs, back-to-back games, 22-24, and 9-13 at home. That's garbage. They've only gotten two more runs than they've given up, only 186 runs, which is way less than most people thought, and they're just not playing well. So I say screw them, let's sweep them. We've played well against them so far. I just see that going well because they are just not what they should be, I guess, or not what people thought they were going to be. They're just they're crap. So here's a quick question for the Blue Jays: Yeah, are they are they did was last year anomaly and this is who they really are? No. I mean, I'm quick to judge, but I mean, I love the Blue Jays. I love Joey Bats and. Okay, I'm not saying it's Joey Bats. He's playing like crap, by the way. No, but I mean we have. We have the whole team, Josh Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. But, no, I don't – I think they're just in a slump. 
it's still early. As much as I love how the Red Sox are playing, it's still early. It's only May. Um, I mean, no, I don't think this is the real them. I think I don't think they're a last place team. Do I think they're a first place team? No, but they're definitely not a last place team. I I don't know. I think they definitely. <laughs> I think they overachieved last year a little bit at least. I think Donaldson's a good player, but he's not. I don't think he's as good as he was last year. He was out of his mind last year. And Batista only has a 231 average right now this year, so he's not doing what he was doing. And the, I don't know. I they're decent, but I don't think they were. I don't. I mean, I take them to win the division. I feel stupid at this point considering they're. I think we all did though. Yeah, it's it's well, except Lauren, but yeah, it's hard to. I don't know, that stuff's so hard to predict because, you know, Red Sox finished last twice in a row and after winning a World Series, and now they're in first again, and they're tied for first, so it's like, how do you know? I don't know. I say they overachieved a little bit, but I'm sure they'll get a little better, but I don't think they're going to be what they were. No, I don't think so either, but, I mean, I feel pretty good about my prediction about the Red Sox winning. Yeah, I World feel pretty Series good about taking the ALCS, definitely, they're... I was going to say, if they keep this up, your whole World Series prediction thing isn't looking so dumb. So, um, but yeah, no. So there you go. That there, there's the show for the week. Um, there's the there's the um, the predictions, and but all of us having gone five and one. So if they don't go five and one, we're all wrong. Well, I think um, they're first. But, so screw you guys. Screw you, Jeff. But hey, we all have. Um, me and Lauren have it have it happening differently than you do so you never know um but there you go that is the show and of course it was brought to you by loot crate and seat geek once again some great deals and most importantly help us with this broadcast so we can come here after every um every week of red sox baseball go to lootcrate.com for free offers um and of course uh it's a great it's a great place to go so check it out lootcrate.com to get your three dollars off of course um look Great show. Chad Finn came on and was phenomenal for us, and we loved having Chad on. Um, don't forget to go follow him on Twitter as well, at Globe Chad Finn, right? Yep. Yeah, um, so you can look at my Blue Apron experience. <laughs> yeah, we're all, gonna, we're all getting Blue Apron, and we're going to all enjoy the experience as well. So um, definitely check us out all on Twitter. I get mine tomorrow in the mail. So um, we'll all be um, sharing our experience with Blue Apron as well. Um, but we have a great week of baseball ahead. So, again, big thanks to Chad Finn for joining us just for getting him on the show um, hey, and we're gonna, it was fun we're going to promote the crap out of it and hope you all enjoyed it uh, if you got to this point of the show so for those two idiots on the other side of the glass uh, for Chad Finn again I am Jared Scally we'll sign off for the week this is Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio